Amy's not feeling well, but she was here to do it. I thank the Lord for that. Uh, praise the name of the Lord. Today, I'd like to share with you a message that I believe that if Pastor was here, it might not be his words because he and I are different in our presentations and the way we present things, even though we believe so much alike. It's funny sometimes. But I want to share with you this morning the power of a unified body. I was going to have one of our muscle men here in the church come up here this morning and uh, let them show off their muscles to you. But as I was preparing, I said, no, I don't want to embarrass anybody because some people might get embarrassed with that. And you know me, I'd never embarrass anybody. But anyway, I think you can know what I'm talking about. We've got some men around here that's got biceps on top of biceps and muscle on top of muscle. And I want all of you to know that I once looked like that. It was a long time ago. Those muscles that were here, they're under here now. The muscles that was up here, they're down here. And the ones in my leg just went all together, and they just left me entirely. Because a physical body, the strength that we have in our physical body, is something that we either have to develop it just doesn't come free. And I think I could ask you, any one of these men that you see the muscles on them, they don't get them. They weren't born with them. They don't get them by looking at weights. They don't, get, they don't look at them by feeding stuff into their bodies to help them be, be able to build this muscle mass. It takes something inside of each and every one of them to make them want to do that. And it's that strength that we have. I can remember a time that I had the desire to pump the weights. And guys standing all around me with a competitive spirit trying to see who could out bench press the other, who could deadlift the most, who could do the most. And we put so much weights on those things that the bars would bend. Crazy. We didn't know what we could strain loose if we did the wrong thing. But we had that desire on the inside to do something and to become strong. I had ulterior motives for it. I'll have to admit that I did. I had an ulterior motive for doing it because I did not. I was one of those that was a little bit different. I didn't like lifting. I didn't like working out. I didn't like just, just going out and doing the things to make me strong. Some people say, well, then why in the world did you do it? Well, I was playing football at the time at the University of Kansas, and I was a running back. Now, I may not look like a running back, but like I said, this body's changed a lot in all those years. Somebody asked me when I played, I said, I played when we didn't have face masks, but that's really an exaggeration. But, uh, but I played a long time ago. But the reason that I wanted to be strong was because those 280 to 340-pound tackles and ends and linebackers that weighed 240, 250 pounds running full blaze down the field, if I wasn't strong, they could literally break me in half. So mine was all defensive. <laughs> it was to save me from getting killed out there in that particular arena of football. 
And after I left, I quit doing it. A lot of people say, why didn't you keep doing it? I didn't have a reason anymore. Because I didn't have the same purpose in my life that I had before. The purpose in my life changed. I changed from getting beat to death every Saturday to carrying the gospel of Jesus Christ. Now, some people say, well, you could have still worked out. That wasn't my desire because my purpose had changed. Okay? But the thing about it is when we look at the church, I can talk about a body of people who muscles and so forth. This church has a specific power, a power that it has within itself. Now, we look at this building. This building is a beautiful building. It's raised up high. We had water come up all the way around this place. You couldn't even drive down the street to get here. When the storms come, this place is high and dry. Because of the forethought of the people building this church and pastor to get this high. And it, you see how low that road is, and you see how high this church is. That road becomes the, the creek at, and when the water comes up. And we come in here, we've got all these lights. Man, do we have lights. I'm going to have to be like Elvis and have to wear shades or something. But we have lights, and, and, and then we have, oh, we can have cooling in the summer. We can have you know, heat in the winter. Everything that we have here, these nice seats and stuff to sit in, makes it comfortable for us to come. But all of these things is not the church. The church is each and every one of you. The church is what you are to this church. If there was no one out here, it wouldn't matter what's going on here because there wouldn't be a church. There would be a building. A building only houses the church. You're a church wherever you go. He said, if two or more gathered together in my name, I will what? Be in the midst of them. So we, the people, are the church. The success of this church in the purpose and the mission that God has put before this church, our pastors, Pastor Goodluck, Pastor Angela, what God has put in their hearts to build is what God wants this church to be. He wants it to be a place that people can come be fed, called souls from being one to the kingdom. To the kingdom. That doesn't mean that we're in the business to be here to try to bring up numbers. Numbers should happen, but numbers happen because that's what God wants there. God is going to save people that He wants to use as a part of a body to plant somewhere else so that that church can have the same fire that we have here. Okay? But we are the fire of this church. If our fire is not hot, neither is this church Jesus talked about in Revelation, he talked about all the churches, the seven churches. Out of all of those churches, now I'm not going to preach on those. First, I didn't give her the scriptures. And second, that wasn't where I planned on going. I told him when I started, I didn't know where I was going with this thing. But out of all of those seven churches, there was only one church that was doing what they were supposed to do. I believe in my heart of hearts, that this church 
is doing and on the path of what God wants a church, not the Ark Fellowship, a church to be. If there's one in seven, think about it, out there, that means that there are one in seven churches doing what God wants to be done. If you take that as a, uh, uh, as if you look at it, it's truth, right? He was talking about seven physical churches. Now, we don't know if we can multiply that out. It's just like sometimes you can't, but it's a good reference for us to look at. That means there's a lot of churches out there that's not doing what God wants them to do. And does anybody know why you are here? Does anybody? Do you know why you're here? Why? Why are you here? Oh, it's time to go to church. I, I like Pastor Goodluck. I like I like the Ark Fellowship. That's why I'm here. Is that why you're here? It's not that simple. You are here because God ordained it. Before the foundations of the world. Before you ever existed. Before you ever became a thought in anyone's mind because there was nobody to think about it. Before Adam and Eve of creation, God ordained every day of your life. And God ordained that you're here today where you are. Why? Because God ordained you to be here because there's something that you need for this today. And God has you here for a purpose. Right? Now, how does a body work? How does a body work? Well, if you go to 1 Corinthians 12... We're going to look at the body for a while and see if we can understand what a body is and how a body works. How many of you know that if my foot hurts, I would be walking like this? Right? Now, I can preach all day long with my foot hurting because... When the anointing gets on you, it quits hurting. I've got into a pulpit with a 103 degree temperature in my early years. Somebody said, what happened? I said, when I got in the pulpit, I could hardly drag myself up there, and I started the message like this, holding on. But it didn't take long for the anointing to get there, and when the anointing came there, the fever went. And if that doesn't tell you anything other than this, that under the anointing of God and in the anointing of God, there is no sickness, there is no pain. And if there is no sickness and there is no pain in the anointing of God, then that means we're not supposed to be carrying it any time if it goes away when we're under the anointing. And we are the anointed of God. Right? So I want to look at this body. I want us to look at it as our body, both personally and corporately as a church. It says, for as the body, begin verse 12, for as the body is one and has many members, but all the members of that one body being many are one body also is in Christ. Talking about we have one body but many members. Now, a lot of people, when they look at this, they say, well, some people's the head. Well, we know who the head has to be, right? I mean, that's pretty obvious, right? All right? But the head is there. But have you ever noticed that God gave us two eyes, two ears, 
two nostrils, two hands to touch with, but he only gave us one mouth to speak. <laughs> Think about it. <laughs> but anyway, when we start talking about members and stuff, everybody wants to look at this and say, well, I don't know what part I am. I don't know if I'm the finger. I don't know if I'm the toe. I don't know if I'm the... Quit looking at your members as being specific things in the body and begin to think of it as molecules inside of something. A molecule or a cell is a group of cells that, that creates inside of a body, a cells and all these types of stuff, and we begin to look at all of those cells. There are all these cells that are moving around that creates all of this body. It's nothing but a conglomerate of cells. These cells reproduce themselves ever. They die off, they regenerate, they die off, they regenerate, they die off, they regenerate. But I don't ever change... As I get older, I get more beautiful or handsomer. But other than that, these things change. And how do we keep our faces? How do all these women keep their faces so young? And us guys look so old. Because they routinely, usually at least once a day, put stuff on their face, face to get the old skins off those old dead cells, so that the new cells come to life. The guys, all we do is shave and wash our face and we're gone. Well, we need to rejuvenate the cells in our bodies. Our spiritual bodies, our spiritual mind, our spiritual things. Whatever, if God shows us something in the natural, He's always wanting to share something with us in the spiritual. He only gave it to us in the natural because that's all we could understand. And if we can't understand all that, we have to go with it, so to speak. And we have to grow. But He said here, we're one body, many members. But then it says, for by one spirit we were all baptized into one body. Now, I want to talk about that for one second because a lot of people, I think, misunderstand this scripture, this verse. It says, by one spirit we were all baptized into one body. And a lot of people think that you've got to be baptized to be saved. Water baptism. That's the baptism that saves you. And I don't know if any of you have had that or have ever heard it, but if you have ever heard it, I want to put it to, put it to rest. Most of you probably haven't heard it because you've been under Pastor Goodluck's ministry so long you, 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 wouldn't, be that, you wouldn't be that way, understanding that way. But this is talking about being baptized into one body. There's only one body, and that's Jesus Christ. We are baptized by the Holy Spirit into the blood, 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 blood and body of Jesus Christ. And that's our salvation. And he says, because it's whether you're Jews or Greek, it's talking about people. It's not talking about water. Jews or Greeks, whether slaves or free, you have been made to drink into one spirit. One spirit. For, <clears throat> in fact, the body is not one member, but many. If the foot should say, because I am not the hand, I am not the body. Is it therefore not the body? Of course not. If, if, you, if you have an ear, ear say, because I'm not the eye, I'm not of the body. Is it therefore not of the body? Of course. If the whole body were an eye, where would the hearing be? And if the whole were hearing, where would the smelling be? What he's trying to do is make reference to the body. Every body, part of your body has a unique, unique, Function that it does. <clears throat> How many think the big toe is important in your, in your body? 
big toe, right? He said, what's a big toe got to do with it? I'll leave the big toe. I've only lost this much of my body, and that can't be very crucial. It's your balance in your body. The big toe is a balance part of your body. You can't walk right if you don't have a big toe. Every part has a function. Every place has a function. So if that's the case, then that means we all here have it. He says, verse 18, says, but now God has set the members, each one, each one, each one of them in the body just as he pleased. That tells me that you are placed in this body by Jesus Christ and each one inside this body has a purpose and a gifting to be used in this body. Now, <clears throat> it's important for us to understand that God placed us here. <clears throat> Do you know in another church, there's people with the same giftings as you sitting there in those churches to make those churches become alive and functional in God's kingdom because God put them there for their purpose as God puts you here for His purpose. And if they were, verse 9, and if they were all one member, where would the body be? If everybody was the hand, we wouldn't have nobody to slap with. <laughs> Where'd that come from? Anyway. <clears throat> but it's important for us to realize we all can't be, think, we have one head. And we don't need but one head. Could you imagine what kind of confusion we'd have if we had two heads? They'd be constantly looking at you trying to figure out what we're going to do. My head says we ought to do this. My head says we ought to do that. He gave us one head to lead us and to guide us. But without, I wanted to find me, but I didn't have near enough time. I wanted to find me a head that I could sit up here and let it talk to you this morning. Tell you how beneficial it was. But I'm not good in gadgets like that. <clears throat> Plus, I wouldn't have enough money probably to get it because some intelligence or whatever. <clears throat> but the thing about it is, a head without a body is useless. Okay? It can speak all the things. It can only speak. It can hear. It can smell. It can't touch. Okay? It can't touch. It's important that every part has the whole part, the whole body of Christ. So that means... If we have one person in our body that's not engaged in the body, we have a body that's not 100% functional. That means something is missing here. Something is not the way God wanted it to be because God wants a complete body, okay? You say, well, what happens if we get a new person and all of us have got all the parts in the body? You have to quit thinking. And I'm going to get ahead of myself here, but we got to quit thinking small. we got to quit thinking about what I am to this church and no one else can do what I do. You might be able to do what you do with 10 or 15 people. But what happens when it's 50 people? Pastor's been praying here for, ever since I've been here, for God to bring leaders to this church. 
You say, what happens if you get a whole bunch of leaders? <laughs> then God brings the people to be led. People come here for one reason. Why do people come here? They come here because God brought them here. And they thought it was because of something they needed. <laughs> you know, they came because they didn't like the other church. Or they came because they moved into the area and they're looking for a church. Or they came because they rode by and they saw the church and they don't know why, but they just decided they'd come. They didn't realize that God, something on the inside, told them to come to church here. I'm, I'm just curious. How many of you drove past this church and, and God just sent, you just felt a sense that you needed to come to this church? I'm just curious. How many of you? Holy cow, more than I thought. Yeah. My wife and I are here for that reason. A lot of people, a lot of people they asked me, they said, Brother Graham, why did you start coming here? The first time I came to this church was on a Sunday afternoon, and they were having a rehearsal up here. And God had told me to come here to pray for a person with a back problem. I was coming home from prison ministry. I was out on the beltway. The Lord said, go to this church. I saw the picture. I saw the church. Didn't know what the name of it was. Didn't even know what kind of church it was. I said, okay. Okay, Lord. So I get home. My wife's fixing dinner. <clears throat> she says, uh, I said, my wife, I said, sweetheart, I said, I said, I got to go down to that church down there. Uh, you know, that one up there on that road, Kluge or whatever it is. She said, yeah. I said, God told me to go down there to pray for somebody. Got a back problem. <clears throat> and I said, okay. And so I said, I'm going to run down there. She said, well, you better see if they even got a service tonight. So I went in, blew Google Maps up, find out what the name of the church was, Googled it, and sure enough, you didn't have a church on Sunday night. So I went in and told my wife, I said, you're right. I must have missed that one. So I went over, sit down, turned the TV on. A few minutes later, the Lord said, are you going or not? I said, okay, I'm going. So I told her, I said, if I'm gone a long time, I found somebody. If I didn't go, I'll be back in a few minutes. So on the way down there, I'm driving my truck. They're on the way down there. I said, Lord, why am I, why am I going down there? And that's when he shared with He told me to go to the church. He didn't tell me I was going to be praying for anybody. But then that's when he told me. He said, you're going to pray for somebody who's got a back problem. So I come down here. I drive, And sure enough, it was open. There was like five or six cars out front. I pulled up, parked. And I said, okay, Lord, where are you? I'm here. I didn't see anybody anywhere. He said, go inside. I said, Lord, Lord, I don't even know what kind of church this is. Why don't you tell me? Go, I'm going to go in here and tell somebody I'm going to pray for them. God's going to heal their back. You know, I don't know. So I go, and I finally pull on every door. One door was open. I finally got in. <clears throat> they had one door propped open in the back. They were singing in here, and I didn't want to walk in and, and uh, um, what you call it, uh, interrupt. So when, I wait, when they stopped singing, I walked in the back door, and then I stood there, and a gentleman, young guy, young man came over. I don't even know who he was. don't remember. I wouldn't know this day, even though I've been here. I don't even know who he was. Probably didn't even, not even here anymore. Could have been angels for all I know. Anyway, <clears throat> so I told him, I said, well, I said, I don't know what kind of church this is. And I know this may sound peculiar to you. But he said, God, I told him what happened. God sent me here to pray for a person who's got a back issue. And he said, okay. So he turned around to all the people. And, everyone, and every one of the kids up there on the, on the stage was young. You know, anybody got a back issue? Oh, no. Ain't nobody got a back. I said, okay. I've done my part. I said to myself, I said, I've done my part. I started to leave. And there was a girl sitting right back there on that little mound-looking thing back there. And she stood up. She says, it's me. And she came over with tears in her eyes. She says, I've been healed and prayed for before. And I don't have any pain in my back anymore. And I thank God for that. 
but I have a deformity in my back. And what it was was her, what do you call that, bony, uh, I call them my wings. You know what I'm talking about? Yeah, the tie was sticking out about this far. When she turned sideways, you could see it under her thing. I said, well, is it okay if I touch you? And she said, of course. And so <clears throat> I reached up, and not knowing what kind of church it was, you got to realize that. I could have been in the Methodist church for all I knew. So I, was, I kept it pretty simple. And I said, Father, in the name of Jesus, make this right in Jesus' name. And when I touched her back, her clavicle went back in her body. She, and she went like that. And, and she says, and the guy behind her, I don't know who he was, a husband, boyfriend, who knows who it was. He said, it's gone. She said, I, and so naturally, me, I didn't go through a rejoicing because I didn't. So I just simply turned around and said, thank you very much for the opportunity. I appreciate it so much. And I left. That was my first adventure in this church. It was months, months later <clears throat> that we came here and visited and, and God. And then I saw that. And when I saw Africa, my heart's there. So that, that pretty much did it. But <clears throat> anyway, I could tell that story, but I got, I had plenty of time. I got, <laughs> it's only 10 o'clock. I didn't realize that. It's good. It's only 10 o'clock. I can't read 9 o'clock. Okay, I'm okay. All right. This says it's 10.04. That's good. I know what Pastor was talking about last night when he said this thing was good. I know what he's talking about now. Okay. Anyway, but it's important. Each one of us here are here for a reason. That's what I'm trying to say. Now, we can go through all the scriptures. I've got a ton of scriptures here to go through. But the thing about it I want to do is when we have a body that's in complete unity, okay, complete unity. Now, what does unity mean? It means that when every part is functioning exactly the way that it is to function, we become a body that is very, very powerful. Okay? Very powerful. And it's important for us to understand all of these things. And there will be no schisms. It goes on down here. It talks about it. It says, <clears throat> lost my spot. Uh, if you go down to, uh, the, I, I can't say to the hand and all that. You know, Pastor Goodluck has said many times that this is not his church. It's our church. He's here to build the kingdom, not his kingdom, but the kingdom of Jesus Christ. As long as we're here to build the kingdom of Jesus Christ, God will bless this body greater than you ever can imagine. Greater things. Is he going to do if we keep our eyes all focused together and everyone doing that part? It says, <clears throat> verse 25 says, that there should be no schism in the body, that all the members should have the same care for one another. The one thing that this church does have is people who care and people who love. And when somebody has needs, people start reaching out to get those needs taken care of. That's a great beneficial thing of any church. And it says a church that walks in unity, and when we walk in unity, those are the things that we're going to see. Those are the things that we're going to get. We all <clears throat> have a special part and a part of the body. <clears throat> I've been in the ministry long time. Let's put it that way. I think I started, <clears throat> I preached my first message when in 19... 75, I think. I was evangelist then. 
Man, you should have seen it. Man, I had a, I had a peach suit. I had a church that had pleats down the front. I had blue suede boots. I combed my hair straight back, just like Pastor Al. I looked a lot like Pastor Al back in those days. And I tell you what, when I stepped behind the pulpit, you knew I was there. I was young and knew nothing, honey. But God had told me to get into the ministry. I'd run from him for seven years since God had called me into the ministry when I was about 18 years old. At a camp, Christian camp, he called me. I said, God, I'll do anything but preach. I will not do. <clears throat> I said, I don't want to be a preacher. I went off to college. <clears throat> I was going to play ball. Came back playing semi-pro ball in Orlando. <clears throat> well, one of the central um, leagues. And uh, on uh, Sunday... Sunday night, or Sunday morning, I had one of the guys ask me to come Sunday night and sing in the choir. I had a tenor voice, and he liked my singing for some reason. And uh, so I told him I couldn't because I had practice that afternoon. I, I wouldn't be able to get back that night. So I went to practice that day, and <clears throat> all I was doing for them was kick. God had blessed me with a, with a golden toe. Thank you so much, man. I wonder how many times I was going to have to, <clears throat> for somebody like you, somebody else, I appreciate it. But uh, God had given me a golden toe, I guess you want to call it. And uh, so I asked the coach. I felt led to go to church. I said, and uh, I asked him if I could go. He says, yeah, just make sure you kick a few. You know, told me how many he wanted me to kick before I left field goals and stuff to get some, get, make sure my leg was good. And uh, <clears throat> I told him I'd see him, I'd see him Monday, next day. Well, God had other plans. I walked into that church service and we sang the song Sheltered in the Arms of God. Some of you probably don't even know it. You young people do. You probably know the song. And, and I was singing in the choir in the, in the, when we were doing the practice. And uh, we got up there to sing that song in the service. And man, the Holy Spirit started speaking to me because I'd been in the church my whole life. And when I sang that song, tears, God began to show me all the things in my life, every close call in my life, every time that people would hit me while I was playing ball, that most guys, it would have knocked them unconscious. God showed me, he said, but you got up. Times to when I didn't get on a freeway. I was angry because some guy cut me off and wouldn't let me on the freeway, but as soon as the, the guy that cut me off had a wreck getting on the freeway. The time I was coming out of Atlanta, and all of a sudden we topped the hill, slammed on brakes, we were going who knows how fast, and there was nowhere to go but two cars were sitting on, off the side of the highway. The guy that was driving the car aimed right between them, and just when we got there, the car slid down the hill, and we went between the cars. I wouldn't be here today. If that car hadn't moved. And the Lord showed me as I was singing that song, I've sheltered you all these years, but I need you. I couldn't wait. That was the longest message I'd ever heard in my life. I pre you know, they preached long times back then anyway. To get there and I ran down to that altar. And 
I'm trying to get saved on this end and the casting demons out of a woman on the other end. And I kept praying. My dad was here. My uncle was there who was a minister. I looked up at my dad and I said, Dad, I don't feel. I don't feel saved. I know what it's like to know what it feels like to know I'm forgiven. My dad's kneeling in front of me. He says, pray to the Father and ask him what's standing between you and him. I prayed. And the Lord said, I called you at 18 years old. It's seven years later. It's long enough. I looked up at my father. I said, Daddy wants me to. He wants me to go into the ministry. But I don't want to go. He said, Son, he just wants you to be willing. Whether you go or not, you just got to be willing. He's going to do it. So I prayed that. I said, Okay, Lord, I'm willing. And then I put all kinds of criteria. Lord, I've never been to Bible. I've been to college. I've never been to Bible college. I don't know how to preach. I don't know how to pastor a church. I don't even know how to evangelize. I don't know anything. All I can do is play an organ, play a piano, play just about every instrument. That's all I know how to do. I've played an organ and pianos in your church since I was 12 years old. So I, I made a whole bunch of things. One, I had to go to Bible school. You know, he had to work it out for me to get Bible school. And that's another long story. I can tell it to you another time. It's a long story. But anyway, God worked it out. When I went to school, the day I quit school, the day I finished school, I came home. My boss, I had to get my, I had to get a, a shift to where I could go work at night so I could go to school during the day. We didn't have a night shift. They made a night shift. I got to go to college. I went to college for three years, got my degree, got out of college, came home that day, walked into the, walked into the office, <clears throat> he said, i got to talk to you. He said, I know you're going to Bible school, but they were, they're telling me they want you back on days, and so I'm pulling you off tonight, so you got to go back to dates. I'm sorry. I said, well, I just finished school today. Because God put me back on days so I could go to church and do ministry for him. God worked every detail out. Sometimes there are things in our lives that we don't think we have a gift. We haven't been gifted with anything. I was going to share with you this morning all the gifts of the Spirit, the nine gifts of the Spirit. We know what they are. You know, we're talking about you know speaking in tongues and interpreting of faith and knowledge and wisdom and all the nine spiritual gifts. And people say, I don't have those. Pastor Gulluck's told you you do. You just had not figured it out yet. But you do have them operating in your life. <clears throat> but there's more to a body of Christ than just those things. There are many things in the church that has to be done. Do you know the preparation that it took just to be able to have this place ready for you this morning and for your children? It didn't happen by itself. But people think that if I don't operate in one of those nine manifestations, I don't have a gifting in the body of Christ. That's wrong. If God wants to use you in one of those gifts at some point in time in your life, He will use one of those things. Because you have it available to each and every one of you, just like other people that have giftings and so forth available to them. He will put what gift He needs in you when in you. God doesn't call somebody to do something that He doesn't equip for the job. I wasn't a preacher. I was a deacon's son. I didn't have a father who was a pastor or a preacher. I didn't have a mother who was a preacher. I had uncles who were preachers, but I didn't grow up with it. I didn't know what to do. But God called me and then God equipped me. 
And I do the very best that I can with God wants to do. But all of these spiritual gifts are one thing. But I just want you to know that you have a gift. If you look in 1 Peter chapter 4. 1 Peter chapter 4. It says, As each one has received a gift. As each one. How many of you are one? Each one has received a gift. That means there's nobody in here that doesn't have a gift that God wants to use in your life. A special gift in your life. The thing about it is we, not kidding, we look at things differently a lot of times, but it's important for us to realize that God said there is a gift, that we all have a gift. And many times we look at looking at gifts as churchy. There are great people who are administrators, are different operations in the church. It takes a lot of people with organizational, organizational skills. And one of the things that we have to do going into this new year, 2019 is gone forever. It will never return again. You cannot change one iota of your past. The only person who can change your past is Jesus Christ. And the past that he can change and changes for you is he forgives you of every sin that you committed from the point that you accepted him all the way back. That, that part of your life has been wiped out and it is gone forever separated from him as far as the east is from the west. It's gone, it's done, it's over with. Satan cannot use that against you anymore, no matter how bad it was. And you can live for Jesus. You can be an overcomer. You can do what God wants you to do. You have the ability to do it because God would not call you to do it if he didn't give you the ability to do it. But we all think in this box. My old turn those notes long. I missed them a long time ago. Sorry, Teresa. We all have this box that we put around us. This is what I can do. I can't do anything else. You ever tried? You don't understand, I can't do that. My wife couldn't do what she did this morning. Sorry, sweetheart, you using an example? That's the first rule of pastor, never use your wife in an example. <clears throat> but there was a point in her life when she'd tell you, I can't do that. I can't get in front of people. She did. But before she did, she had to do something. She had to tell Satan, you put that box around me. I know she did because I heard her from the... When she got the text from Pastor, An- the text from Pastor Angela asking her, would she take her place this morning. She says, look. I said, what? She says, look. I said, what? She says, my hands are sweating. I said, why are your hands sweating? It's cold in here. She says, but look, what? Look, look right here what she's asking. I'm glad I don't have to do this every week. But the thing about it is, is what I'm saying, and it's, it's funny, but, it, but, it, but it, it's, what I'm using it for, sweetheart, is, is, is the fact that she knows that what I'm saying, 
is the fact that she had to step out of her comfort zone. Okay? And she did a great job. But if she had never stepped out of that box of I can't do it, she would have never got up here. Okay? Now, not every person's position is to be up here. We have a lot of people staying behind here from this church. I'll be honest with you this. We have a lot of great teachers that teach up here on Wednesday night. We have a lot of people there. But there are a lot of things that need to go on. It's important that... Oh, good. Got one working back there now. All right, thank you. But it's important for us to realize that all these gifts... And I don't want to go over the nine gifts, but I do want to share with you from... uh, uh, um, in Corinthians 12, verse uh, the upper part of chapter 12, but I want to go down to um, verse 4 before it starts talking about the nine manifestations. It says, There are diversity of gifts, but by the same Spirit. In other words, the Spirit, okay? They're gifts of the Spirit, right? It says, There are diversity of gifts. Now, these gifts are different, okay? Then it says, verse 5, There are differences. In ministries, differences in the way things are done. Different people have different ministries. People don't like for me to say you have a ministry. But you, all of you, have a ministry. God called all of us to be ministers of Him. He didn't call all of you to be a minister of the Ark Fellowship, or another church, but he says that you are a minister of Jesus Christ. Everything we do is for one thing, and that is to do the will and the purpose of Almighty God. What He wants for this. Now, we're coming up to a... My wife mentioned this morning that this church has a 21-day fast. Okay? that's coming up. So uh, I'll get on with my message now, now that I've got through the introduction, short introduction. (laughs) At least I've got time left. That's a good point. No, but the thing about it, we're starting on January 2nd, a a 21-day fast. I wasn't sure what the theme was, but I did realize that there is one that you can guide, that you can pick up. This is great reading, great stuff from Pastor Angela and Pastor Goodluck. For this 21 days. You can get it this way. Some people don't like paper. Some people just like to do it. They will be putting that out on the blast. If you you have the little web uh, app on your phone, they'll be sending those out by the day so you don't have to carry the paper around with you. If you're at work or home, you can have them right there with you. But if you need paper ones, some of us don't have, some people don't have those new technologies. So for the ones that don't, we've got some paper back in the back on the thing that you can get one. But he's talking about the year of joy and the gladness of heart. <laughs> the thing about it is a year of joy and gladness of heart. That's the thing for this year, right? But the thing about it is for us to be able to be powerful this year is we have to stand in complete unity together pulling together, walking together, doing the things together, and doing all that we can do to see that every part of this body, which is us, all of us are doing what God wants us to do. And we, some of you, 
I will tell you this. Some of you are going to have to, you know what that means now, right? What's this mean? Step out of your box. Step out of that box of comfort. Because, see, Satan puts this box around you and says, this is what you can do. I told God I couldn't preach. I might not be able to preach, but I do my best. But the thing about it is we have to step out of the box. And we have to do what God wants us to do. And you say, but I don't know what God wants me to do. This fasting time is the perfect time to find out what your gifting is. What your purpose is, not only for your own life individually, but what the purpose is that God put you in this church for. Why did God put you here? Because I guarantee you, He put you here for a reason. God does not do anything half halfway. He does not do anything without purpose. His entire purpose is for God. What happens, God intended it to happen. It's just that way. So it's important for us. We have to think big. I believe we've had prophecies over this church. This church is going to grow big. How many of you believe this church is going to grow? How many, how many realize that this church is not going to hold us very long? Right? God said he's going to do it with signs and wonders and miracles and all those things. And I believe that there's going to be people that come into this church. We've already had two people killed of stage four cancer come into this church that do not attend this church and now have taken that testimony back to where? Their church. How does fire start? How does a fire spread? It spreads by sparks that go to here, a spark that goes to there, a spark that goes to here. As we bring people in that you meet every day that needs healing, they may not go here. They may go to the first, the, the first righteous church in Pascagoula, Mississippi. I don't know. It doesn't matter where they go to church. Do they know Jesus? If they know Jesus, they need to know that Jesus is the one who heals. They need to know that he wants to heal them. And that fire is going to go and it's going to spread. There's going to be sparks going to every church in this area as people begin to come and as people begin to be healed. And they're going to go back and all of a sudden they're going to say to somebody, sooner or later that pastor is going to say, i got to go over there see what's going on at that church. And that's how God is going to spread the fire in Cypress, Texas. Okay? It's going to happen. It's been prophesied over this church so many times. And I know what God is going to do. But it's going to take all of us, as my, as my stepdaughter would say, all of us, to do it. We need to start thinking outside of the small box that we look at this church to be in. We can say, we're going to have a greet you thing here at the church, so... We're going to have everybody come and we're going to have hot dogs. Everybody come. Everybody comes and we don't have, anybody, we don't have a place to have everybody come to get hot dogs. You know what I'm saying? We don't have a big enough room. We'd have to throw hot dogs in here if we're going to serve them, right? We got to begin to think, not like small, begin to think big. And big, not just big what, but big what? Think big. Think powerful. Think God's blessings. Think God's miracles. All of it's there. And you need to find the victory in your life. And you need to work on finding what you are. My wife had a beautiful lead-in for my message. Thank you, Jill. That's what he called it comes from the Spirit when she doesn't know, right? When she said, I no longer look behind. But now I look to this coming year. 
Narrow your focus. Start with you, not your families. Start with you. You have to find your place in your body. You have to find your purpose in your life. He said, but what if it's not the same purpose as my husband? You think God's crazy? You don't think if he called one to do something, he calls somebody to do something, that he don't work it out? When God calls somebody into the ministry that destroys the marriage, they missed call. They missed God's work. They missed God. Because God, one of them missed, let's put it that way. Right? Because it shouldn't have happened, right? Let's do this, work this thing together. Focus our eyes on Him. Carefully seek Jesus for your gifting, for your purpose. Help ministries and support. We have greeters and ushers and hospitality services, youth ministries, children's ministries, royal ranges, music, prison ministries, men and both, and many more things that are outreaches and parts of this church. We even go to the uh, convalescent home, uh, nursing home. I can't remember what they call them now. Anyway, <clears throat> nursing home to minister to the people that are there. There are many ways to reach out. We have small groups. People, people go into small groups to be able to connect yourself. If you haven't connected to a group of somebody in this church, it's time to connect. It's time to engage. It's time to connect yourself so that you can become part of something greater than yourself. Become united in the kingdom of God and in the kingdom church right here and become part of something great. It doesn't take a big person to make something great. It just makes a lot of people walking the same way make something great. Okay? It's important for us to do that. I, okay. So take time over the next few days before this fast starts and to prayerfully prepare yourself for a time of fasting and prayer. Now, a lot of people, they'll talk about fasting. I'm sure all this, there's different ways to fast. Fast, you can give up total fast. You can give up part of this. I tell you, I will tell some of you the hardest fast that you would have to do. Let me tell you one of the hardest fasts is not food. Put your electronics down. You, 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 <clears throat> if you can put those down for 21 days, you will hear from God because you'll have time to talk to Him. You'll have time to commune with Him. You'll have time to hear what He has to say to you. He gave us all ears to hear, mouth to speak, eyes to see, all of those things. Let God show you through your eyes what He wants you to be, what He wants you to do. Listen to His voice as He speaks to you, as He guides you and He directs you into the path that He wants you to go into. Because this time of 21 days is not just to have a fast. It's not for that. It's to be able to get all of us on the same page. And we can't get on the same page if we're not all listening to the same source. Okay? Seeing the same source. Believing in the same source. Talking to the same source. Rejoicing in the same source. And that's Jesus Christ. Turn your eyes. That song says, turn your eyes on Jesus, right? Now, there's a lot of chaos in the world. 
How many know there's chaos out there? If you let it, it can consume you. But I will tell you this, if you, if you will focus for the next 21 days, whatever fast you do, whether it be full fast, partial fast, doesn't matter. And, and when you fast, that doesn't mean just fast. It means you fast, you give that up, and now you pray. And you ask God to guide you and direct you. The chaos won't mean anything to you anymore. Because God has everything under control. Okay? God has it under control. He's going to work everything out. It's going to be done in his way for him today. I'll close. <clears throat> I'll close with this. I am in this body because God brought me here. You're in this body because God brought you here. He said, <clears throat> if you're a first-time visitor today, <clears throat> you're very special. You know why? God saw fit to bring you to this place today to hear this message, and it's for you. Because he knew before the foundations of the world that you would be here today. I just ask you to get a commitment card, get to us, find somebody. And if you know people, if you know somebody that's here, and you know they're new or you not recognize their face or whatever, connect with them, get them, draw them in, because we need to connect to one another. There is strength in what? Numbers. As we hold together. You go through a battle, don't go through it alone. There are people here that can bind together with you. If you're going through something, don't go through it alone. I know you've got Jesus. I understand that. But you also need people that can stand and pray and believe with you. Because the Bible says if two can agree, it shall be done. So it's there. Okay? Every head bow, please. <clears throat> Father, I love you. I thank you for your word. It's a lamp unto our feet and a light unto our path. I thank you, Lord, for each and every one that's here. And Lord, I pray that I, pray, that I spoke today what you wanted for your people. We all agreed today, Lord, and we pray for our pastor. We thank you, Lord, that he's getting better. And Lord, that all the sickness or any, any sickness in his body is gone now in the name of Jesus. Father, you said if we agree and we say, it's done. And we agree together and we say, sickness, go in the name of Jesus. We declare it done according to you in Jesus' name. <clears throat> if there's one here with every head bowed and closed, if there's anyone here, I never close the service without asking this question. If Jesus Christ was to come today, and he would come, are you sure that he would take you back with him? If you're sure, that's great. But if you don't know the Lord or don't know that you know the Lord, would you slip your hand up? So I'm going to pray with you right now. Any hands? Yes? Okay. God is good. I now want a commitment. <clears throat> How many of you will commit that you're going to spend time 
over this next month. You're going to seek God. If you don't know what your gifting is, God will show you what your gifting is. I will tell you this. If you haven't been through the growth track series, there's one part of that growth track that helps you identify what your giftings are. I invite you to go through that and and, and to be able to do that. But more importantly, I invite you to pray and seek God because God can show you. All you got to do is ask God, what is my purpose? What is my gifting? What am I to do? And I believe that God will do it for you. Okay? So how many of you will join with me and say, by raising your hands, I am going to stand in agreement. I'm going to stand in unity. And I'm going to stand together with this pastor and pastors as they lead us in this next year. And we're going to walk in total and complete unity. Just slip your hands up if you agree. Stand with me if you would. I want us to pray a prayer of unity. I feel led by the Spirit to do this, so I'm going to do it. There are some people here today that can't go any further in their walk because they have unforgiveness in their heart. Unforgiveness robs you of some of the greatest, the greatest things that God has to offer because he says we have to have a forgiving heart. But you don't know what they did to me. It doesn't matter what they did to you. Look what they did to Jesus and he forgave them. Is it any any worse? You're still living here, so I know they didn't crucify you on the cross. They may have crucified you with words. They may have crucified you with a lot of different things, but they didn't put you on the cross, beat beat you with rods and all of the things and put stripes on your back. So Jesus said, I forgive them. They just don't know what they're doing. Those people that do it. And the thing about it, if you don't forgive them, it doesn't hurt them. It only hurts you. They could care less most of the time. But you need to care. So we're going to pray for this commitment. But I want you, if you have a spirit of unforgiveness, it's pretty, it's pretty blunt in the Bible. If you forgive others, I will forgive you. It's pretty simple. We're going to do that. We're going to pray a united prayer for being united and that we're going to dedicate ourselves. So repeat after me. Father, in the name of Jesus, I dedicate myself. I surrender my will, my way, and I surrender it to your will, your way. God, I pray that you show me my gifting. Show me my purpose. Let me walk in total unity with the pastor of this church and the leadership that is here. I thank you for all that you've done in 2019. But God, I pray for more, bigger, better things from you. 2020, I put my life in your hands that your blessings shall flow to me and my family, to this church. I declare it done in the name of Jesus. Amen. Praise the Lord. Good.